going on guys it's bryce again welcome to the expedition to try podcast on today's episode i sit down with brian ford former tedx speaker and host of the self-improvement daily podcast him and i discuss his passions life as a podcaster and his concept of doing it for the story so join us as he drops some knowledge on me hopefully it can help you as well we hope you enjoy and let us know what you think This might be a little different from a, a normal podcast you would be on. I'll be asking some, because how old are you now? Are you like 26? 27. 27? Okay, yeah. So you're a little older. I'm 22, almost 23 in uh, June. Good for you, man. So I'll be asking more like, uh, well, the first question I actually have was about your college uh, experience and like, um, what was the process you took um, towards like from high school towards going to, you went to UC Davis. Um, yep. You studied neurobiology and physiology. So what was your yep. process from like, from high school choosing UC Davis and then choosing the major you wanted to do? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, I don't have a great answer for you though. It's just, it's just as much of a throw it against the wall and see what sticks kind of mentality as anyone. Like uh, I kind of, so I went to UC Davis and I was a student athlete. Um, so I went in playing college soccer and I didn't really have anything in mind in terms of what I wanted to study. You know, I did well academically, you know, I had over a 4.0, can't remember exactly how it calculates anymore, but you know, I had over a 4.0 with my APs and whatever. Um, and then I get into college and I had a bunch of units that transferred and everything. And I did well in science at one point and I, you know, enjoyed it, um, relatively. And then kind of, I just stepped into UC Davis. I was like, oh, wow, this is a, this got a great college of biological sciences, you know, at the university. So, okay, like I can leverage that since I'm in the school. And then, uh, you know, within the sciences, I was like, what am I most interested in? And I was an athlete. So I was like, all right, probably good idea to learn about my body and how it works and how I can fuel myself and prepare myself. So let me just start there and see what happens. Um, so that's just literally kind of um, just based on the strength of the school and kind of how that was one of the colleges that had, a, you know, was, was stronger than some of the others. And then just, kind of a baseline interest that wasn't really related to education, but I figured, okay, let me try it within the education system. Uh, that's, that ended up being what landed, and that was actually exercise biology, so it wasn't even my final major. And then it was when I took a class that was really pivotal, was really pivotal in, that, uh, in that major. It was neurobiology. Once I took that class, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is what I want to study. This is what I'm interested in, right? So it was kind of like, again, throw it at the wall, kind of see what sticks. Just, you know, something starts dripping down. You're like, all right, I guess I'll roll with that. And then it kind of forks. It's like, oh, maybe that fork is better, you know, for lack of a better metaphor. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's been my process through college. And then now I'm doing work that's completely unrelated to that science, you know? So like that, that continues to transition and transform. It's just a matter of kind of, uh, you know, being self-aware in the moment to know where your interest is and to be able to call it quits when you think it's appropriate and to just always move forward. Right. Yeah. That's what, uh, <laughs> my big thing, my sophomore year of high school, that was the first time I took a biology class. Um, and right then and there, I was like, I love this and I want to pursue this more. So I took like mm -hmm. AP bio senior year. And then I went into, I went to Binghamton university knowing that I wanted to study biology. So I, I chose it as my major freshman year. And then junior year was when I decided I no longer wanted to like continue on that path and like go to grad school for genetic counseling. Uh, and I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So that was a, a weird period of time to say the least. Um, so now yep. it's just been kind of 
figuring out what I want to do uh, instead of continuing on with all that. And I got my degree and everything. So it's more just what can I do to kind of establish myself, I guess. Totally. Yeah. And that's something that I've kind of found solace in myself is, okay, it's like, I have this formal education, I've niched down, like I, I studied something difficult, right? You know, like I have that experience, but I'm not using it. Was that a waste of time? You know, absolutely not. Of course it wasn't because there are so many skills that are built into that education that are more of the, like the soft skills, you know, some of the impressions you have, the ways that you problem solve, the ways that you think, you know, like all of these are kind of bundled into that experience. And while, you know, on paper, it doesn't seem like a transparent transition from what you're previously doing to what you're currently doing, that doesn't mean that it didn't contribute or kind of set the path or at least push you on the path a little bit. Um, and that's something that I've definitely had to think through being like, oh man, did I like not study something that's worthwhile? It's like, no, actually I'm in marketing now and kind of having the empathetic practice of understanding where consumers are coming from, how they're making their decision-making process and even what predispositions people have in responding to certain messages, that's totally relatable to marketing, right? But like, I never would have expected that neurobiology would end up taking me into business, right? You know, so it's like, it's almost like really, um, you know, having that confidence that what you are doing and the energy that you're applying is serving you in some way, and then just being prepared to display that when the time comes. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely beneficial. I, um, I did some research on you because I wanted to be prepared. I didn't want to ask like basic questions when I came on. I appreciate it. So uh, you, yeah. um, it looks like you've had like a lot of experience in just a short amount of time since you've graduated from college. Uh, you've mm -hmm. done like, you did sales, uh, like volunteer work, written blogs, and then you did your TED talk, obviously. And then, of course, your the podcast that you're on. So how, how important do you think it is for like younger, like kids in college or like even younger to kind of test the waters, try different classes and majors and like switch from job to job kind of while they're still young and figure themselves out? Do you think that's an important thing to kind of do when you're younger? Yeah, I definitely think it is if that's your path. You know, some people are born and raised, both of their parents were lawyers or doctors or scientists or engineers or something. And you've just grown up with that interest and that aptitude. And if you're like one of my best friends, he's a police officer and he's known from a very young age. He wanted to be a police officer. You know, he played college soccer with me, really smart kid, could have gone into more of an academic role, but that's what he wanted to do. And, you know, I really respect him for that. Um, but that's not necessarily everyone's case. So if that is your case, then great. Trust your instinct, move forward. You don't necessarily need to trial and error it kind of then comes back to my the second point here, which is you have to recognize at what time you become unhappy, unfulfilled, or uninterested. And once you reach that area, then you need to be in a position to be able to make a change and be confident that, okay, let me explore, let me try something else, let me see what fits. And you know, as for kind of my history, I was in medical device sales, um, you know, I was in the operating room, and this is kind of related to neurobiology, maybe part of the transition, you know, I was in um, I was in the, in the OR, I was having, um, I was a part of surgeries, uh, but specifically spine surgery. So that's kind of where the neurobio comes in. And it was a career position, you know, I was hired out of college, you know, had a contact that supported me, you know, put me in a position I didn't belong to be in. And it was the kind of thing that you, you're in it and you retire. And like, that's just like, it's a really lucrative and high profile position. And I was in it at a younger age than I should have been, right? But I had the awareness being like, okay, am I going to get complacent? Am I going to settle into this career because everyone says I should stay there? 
like I trusted my own gut and I felt like something was out of alignment. I felt like my purpose was somewhere else. I felt like my interest was somewhere else. Um, and then that's kind of when I started evaluating, all right, so what does that next step look for me in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm interested in? And once I kind of was honest with myself and had that reflection, then I had a better time distancing myself from all of the vanity and kind of what everyone else was in my ear saying and being able to trust my own intuition and then take action um, and find a career that was better fitting for me. You know, am I going to die in the position that I'm in right now? Of course not, you know, but is it the, is it the place that I feel like I need to be right now to then again, have that moment of, okay, I've made it to this point. Now, where does Brian go from there? You know, like that's, that's kind of what all of us need to do is just to, you know, take ourselves seriously and apply ourselves in the areas that we're interested in while we're interested. And of course there are other factors and bills to pay and, you know, whatever, you know, debts, like there's stuff and that's real. And um, I don't want to make that, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak lightly about that because there are responsibilities, right? But if you are in a position to make decisions um, for your well-being and for your interests and for your happiness, then of course, you know, kind of like make that step. And I think that is, uh, a fundamental kind of piece to it is as you start, you know, kind of uh, hopping from career to career um, and, and how those bring new experiences, um, you need to be open-minded to, as we were talking about before, the experience that you gained that prepares you uh, better than you expected for that current position, as well as what's the next step and how are you going to jump into that role. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's no kind of cookie cutter way of doing it. Everyone has their own interests. They all come from their own lens. They all have their own mindset and mental models and perspectives. And it's just a matter of doing what's best for you, you know, taking the input of people that you care about, of course, and using that in your processing. Um, but ultimately, you know, kind of doing what's best for yourself and what you're trying to accomplish and what makes you happy. Yeah. What I feel is uh, the biggest problem I feel like kids kind of my age, I, I always say kids because I don't want to consider myself an adult, but uh, I feel like we're so, <laughs> I'm a kid too, man. <laughs> we're so afraid to um, um, like quit jobs, even if we're not enjoying them, because mm -hmm. like it looks bad on our resume. It's like, I feel like it's mainly things that our parents are like, our grandparents have told us like, oh, you can't quit your job. That's going to look so bad when you only work there for a month. Like I worked at my sales job for uh, roughly four months. And then I decided I, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing anymore. Um, so I quit and my parents were like freak, kind of freaking out, but they, they trust me to kind of make my own decisions and do all that. So I mm -hmm. personally know that I don't ever want to work someone for 40, 40 years straight, unless I absolutely find that thing that I am passionate about and want to be doing that much. So that's, that's what I feel is the hardest part for so many people to figure out. Um, and like you said, it's, I think it's good to kind of have that self-awareness and know like where you want to go. And if it's not where you're at now, you can kind of branch off and go in different directions if you really feel like it. And I wish more right. people would realize that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you said something interesting, which was the idea of like, oh, it doesn't look good. Um, on your resume, which is an objective, actually, no, not objective. It's a subjective measure of, okay, this is what someone thinks is the right path. And again, kind of, I was having a conversation yesterday with a buddy of mine where there's this idea of um, kind of different generations having different expectations or kind of vision 
for how something should uh, occur, basically. And when you come from an older generation, you know, a baby boomer, you know, their parents grew up during the Great Depression. So they were raised a certain way to like really um, value security, value consistency, you know, because that was bred into their childhood. There's some of that vestigial um, that is then being translated to you, you know, as the next generation. And it's coming from their lens and their perspective of what they think is the right decision. But if you ask a lot of employers these days, especially as they're kind of changing their expectations because millennials are so freaking unpredictable, you know, yeah. and I can, I can say that because I am one. Um, but since millennials are so unpredictable and Gen, you know, Gen X, you know, next generations, um, as they're so unpredictable, it's like it's, it's changing the standard a little bit. And so sure that four months on your resume, like, does that look good? You know, probably not, but does it look as bad as everyone's telling you? I don't think so. Because what's going to happen if you think about the actual like next steps of that is you have your application out, you have other experiences that speak to who you are and how you're qualified for the next position you're applying for. Then you get your interview and they ask you, right? They ask you, oh, okay, two months, four months, six months in this job. Why is that? And then you share why you as a human felt that you made that decision, why you felt justified in it, and then they understand where you're coming from. And then that number, which is a subjective measure, is no longer as powerful as it was when it was unexplained, right? So it's like, you have to think about the kind of phases that that uh, decision or that kind of data point um, like goes through in this evolution of how it's going to be perceived um, in your career. Because, you know, like six months, like that's extremely common. Like, sure, it's, it's not best practice, um, in four months, it's not best practice, but it's, that's also advice that's coming from a generation that comes from a different lens, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's another thing Gary Vaynerchuk always says. He's like, it's, it's all just kind of context. It's like, it makes sense why our parents and our grandparents kind of freak out when something like this happens, where you quit your job that was stable, like you were paying the bills and everything and you quit to kind of pursue your own passions they think it's kind of crazy because they didn't have the opportunities that we have now with the internet. And just like, I can literally start a business in 10 minutes just on my laptop. Like they didn't have that opportunity. So like, there's so many more resources for us to go out and try different things all the time. And like, mm -hmm. you can pursue anything you really want. If you're into painting, like I do some painting, so I could easily sell that online if I ever wanted to. Like I could write a blog about books that I'm reading. I could be like literally anything. So I think it's, it's good. Personally, I want to pursue all these different things to kind of figure out, like you said, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and obviously I wish everyone else would do that, but it's not the path that everyone's going to take. Um, but I wish they mm -hmm. would honestly. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point is, this idea that like the access that we have to business today is again, different than the access it was when people are making the decision of what we should be doing. Right. Because like, if you talk about making a YouTube business, like people, like my mom wouldn't understand that, you know, your parents wouldn't understand that. Right. Cause it's just, it was not in their vocabulary when they were growing up. Right. Or, or when they were building a business and it's, it's almost like there's a barrier to entry in their understanding because they haven't seen it work. And it's because they're not looking in the right places now because they have their preferences and their comfort zone and that's kind of where their focus. So I think that's a really good point is 
that, you know, part of this generational dissonance, you know, this, uh, this miscommunication between generations comes from the reality of what opportunities are truly opportunities and what is just fad or um, kind of peripheral, if that makes sense, you know? So it's like, no, that, that totally built into it. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a really important compliment to what I was saying. Yeah. And uh, kind of branching off from that, I wanted to talk about your, uh, your podcast or your, your TED talk first. Um, and then obviously your podcast, because those are the big things. And that's how I discovered you in the first place. But um, yeah. your, your TED talk, you talk about the idea of uh, doing it for doing it for the story and kind of saying yes mm -hmm. to more things. So like, how would you, uh, for someone who's never seen your TED talk, how would you describe the idea of doing it for the story in your own words? Sure. Yeah. Um, love this concept and it's super personal to me. So I appreciate you asking. Uh, yeah. So do it for the story is about putting yourself in unexpected situations, often uncomfortable situations without expectation of what's going to happen. And what this does is it opens up your mind, your heart, and your whole being to experience whatever's laid out in front of you. So you really become kind of in this position of like being prepared to receive. It's almost stating like, hello universe, you know, like I, I find myself in this place and I'm kind of at the mercy of whatever you're choosing is the best path for me, whether it's an experience, a business opportunity, a relationship, you know, there are so many different elements that this works through but do it for the story is all about that decision to get into that mindset. So, you know, some examples I share on the TEDx are, um, you know, my, my buddy, Dan, who I talk about a lot. Um, when we were in high school, we would do a bunch of random stuff and we would just do it for the story because we didn't have expectations. We were just going to like see what happened because that's fun, right? Like the unexpected and uncertain, like it's fun to explore in that space sometimes. So that's, you know, kind of like a superficial, but then like you, you know, get into kind of my career, like the very reason that I had the TEDx talk, the reason I have a podcast and all of that comes back to a decision that I made that I verbatim said, I'm going to do this for the story. And what happened was I was in Colombia. I went to an event and that event led me to meet an individual who introduced me to creating content on LinkedIn, who introduced me to a content creator, who introduced me to a podcaster. Then I created a podcast boom, 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 right? So it's like all of these things happened. And since initially I said I was doing it for the story, that means I totally stripped my expectations and I was just ready to be like, all right, let's see what comes of this. I'm not trying to create anything in particular. I don't have any expectations or preferences for how this goes. I'm just going to step back and I'm going to receive all of these opportunities and ideas that come toward me. And then again, kind of what feels right in my heart, I'm going to take action when it's appropriate, right? So it's like, it's really being in that mindset of receiving the world, receiving opportunities and letting your guard down, you know, because another part of it too is the reason that we don't take action as often is because if we do and we fail, we have to justify why we spent our time and energy doing that. So by also kind of putting aside the expectation of success, then we're in a position to also surrender to the process and to really see what comes about. And let me tell you, you know, do it for the story has been one of the most influential things in my life just because I have more fun. I've met more people. I do more. I feel more fulfilled. You know, it's just like, it's something that I've enjoyed. It's brought in so many great moments and kind of as the TEDx wraps up, you know, I share that Dan, my buddy who I, I started this whole movement with, do it for the story. Like he and I were accountability partners when it came to it, he passed away and it was unexpected and, you know, devastating. But what's awesome is that I am a different person because of this do it for the story 
intention that we created. And now I feel like anytime I do something for the story, a, like a piece of him lives in it. And it's just like so beautiful to know that his legacy lives on and it's, it's manifesting and it's creating differences in this world. And it's just like, it's an extension of who he was as a person, you know? So it's like, it, it's, it's a relationship that I wouldn't have with him and his death had it not been something that we shared. And that's where do it for the story, like really gets personal, but that's also where it continues serving and continues reminding me of why it's important to, to prioritize it, you know, ultimately to prioritize it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the longer version that you asked for, but that's kind of the heart of do it for the story. So how would you, how would you suggest people who are kind of like in their head all the time, and like kind of wanting to branch out into that mindset? How do you suggest they kind of get started with doing that? Did you start small or were you like with my friend group, when we want to do something, we just kind of go bold. Like we don't take like the small steps to it. So like, did you take small steps or did you just full in like, Hey, let's take a trip to uh, Italy or whatever it was. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a balance for sure. I mean, I think sometimes it, it depends on your mood too. You know, it's like, you can't, you can't be someone you're not right. So it's like, you can't like force yourself into something, you know, a, an example of something I tried to do for the story was I went to South America um, and I went, I traveled by myself. I went to Buenos Aires and I went to Uruguay and I was like, Oh, I'm going to be that guy. Who's like in the airport, like meeting everyone. Like I have nothing to lose because I'm never going to see these people again. Like, what do I like? What am I afraid of? And then I like had this moment of reflection being like, Oh wow. Like this is really nerve wracking and I can't get myself to do it for whatever reason, you know, like sure it's in Spanish, but I speak Spanish, you know? So it's like, that's, that's not a good enough of a reason. And that's going to, that's kind of, it's been interesting because I didn't necessarily like, I'm not proud of that, but also like, why am I not proud of it? Like, if it's not me, why would I force it? You know? So that's kind of where do it for the story has this natural way of presenting opportunities that are in alignment with what you're okay doing. But then the second thing, more kind of like an answer to your question, what I would, um, when you're kind of on the fence and deciding if you want to do something or not, I ask myself this very simple question. Um, after, you know, and this is after you're just like, as you're justifying and almost kind of like decide like, oh, this isn't for me. Um, ask yourself this question. Is it a reason or an excuse? So, hey, Brian, hop on this podcast. Uh, no, I don't want to. All right. You don't want to. Is it a reason or an excuse? Uh, I have a bunch of work to do. I've got a deadline. Like, I just, I don't have that hour. You know, that's a reason. If it's an excuse being like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, I could... I just haven't played a video game in a while. It'd be fun to check it out. And I'm just not feeling it. You know, like, is that a reason or excuse? That's a dead excuse. And it's like, when you can be honest with yourself that something's an excuse, then you kind of just flip the switch and you like make that decision in advance being like, okay, I want to do it for the story. Like I know that's something that's important to me. It's something I'm prioritizing. Then when you recognize that you're making an excuse, that's when you can actually kind of kick your ass into gear basically and get yourself to do it, you know? Cause it's like, because and that's and that's when the magic happens is when you when you find yourself in places where you're like what the hell am I doing here you know like that's when my best stories have come from I'm just like why am I here in the first place like ah do it for the story like like you're running out of you like you're a train off rails you know like that's not the right decision but but then something happens and I was like how would I have known that that was gonna happen you know and it just it's remarkable like it's incredible. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the first suggestion I'd give is as people are justifying why they don't want to do something. And if you have that urge to take action, then ask yourself, is it a reason or excuse? If it's an excuse, then it's likely because you're protecting yourself from something else. Is that something you want to protect yourself from? If the answer is no, like if you want to be uncomfortable, if you want to grow through that situation, 
get your ass there and do it. You know, so it's like that's that's kind of what I try and think about today when um, I do things for the story is am I in a position to do it? Is it, you know, is it jeopardizing other things that are going on or not? Um, and let me make that decision honestly, you know, just kind of really reflect and be honest. Now that I'm thinking about all of it more in detail and I'm talking to you in person, well, in person, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of wild how um, all this is even happening itself. Cause like on a whim, I kind of started this podcast cause I wanted to try it and see if I would enjoy it. And then like getting closer to today, I basically did it for the story before I even knew what it was about. And I talked to you over Instagram messenger and I asked you to be on a podcast and like, that was completely on a whim and I was not expecting you to say yes or no or whatever it might be. And (laughs) now look, I would have never met you if I had never quit my job uh, in January and then started this podcast and then commented on that post. So it, it, it's always crazy to me to like think back and see how far you can come in such a short amount of time and just making like one decision. Like, and I, totally. that's, that's why I, um, I started journaling about a year and a half ago and every once in a while I like look back at my old journals and like see where I was at. And I'm like, wow, it's crazy. The problems I had back then. And now I don't even like mm-hmm. think about them at all. Like a year ago I was yeah. at five guys and I was having an awful time. So it's like, it's just wild how everything just kind of moves based on the decisions you're making. And I think it's great. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, that's a really good point because something I talk about in the TEDx too is that do it for the story makes sense in hindsight. So you get to a certain place and then you, like you just did, you start backtracking being like, what decision did I make? Like, how did I get here anyway? You know, like when I, all of a sudden, like I asked my girlfriend, I'm like, like, why do I have a podcast? Like, how did this happen? You know? And then like, I can walk backwards being like, oh, because in Colombia, I went to that event and I met this guy. And then that was a whole cascade that happened. So that's something really important to keep in mind is that it doesn't always make sense until you've accomplished it or you're there. Then you can see it in hindsight. And then that also means that in today's moment, when you just said, so like, like do it for the story brought us here together, I can guarantee it's going to mean something way, way more to us in the next six months, in the next year, because this experience is going to be seen by some person or we're going to have some impression that encourages us to do one thing, which then is extremely influential in that next path that we pursue. And then once we're on that path and we find this destination or this like really incredible experience, then we look back and be like, wait, why am I doing this anyway? And then we can back up to this conversation. And that's the thing about do it for the story. Like the story never ends. It's always in progress. And that's why you always need to take this mentality of being willing to kind of receive and accept and surrender to the process because you're not going to make the right decision if you're trying to craft the story. The story kind of has its own brain and then you follow it and then you're like, oh, that was the story. Okay. You know, so like it's almost that um, it's totally that hindsight that helps you understand that do it for the story actually um, is working. So in hindsight, what do you feel um, has been the best decision you have made when you're doing it for the story? And what do you feel is probably not the best idea you should have done in hindsight? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with the second part of that. So, I mean, <laughs> as I, <laughs> as I you know, talk about do it for the story, like I think it's kind of like an 80-20 principle where it's like 80% of the time, it's like, all right, that happened, you know? 
And it's not like, like I say in a TEDx, like, you know, I guaranteed there will be a story. And that's because it does all compound and kind of contribute and create kind of you in this space that ends up pushing to some great experience. But I'd say, you know, like 80% of the time, it's nothing novel and it's nothing that's extremely like standout, right? But then that 20% of the time, when you do have these unbelievable creations that came out of nothing, that's when, that's what fuels your motivation to come back and do it that 100% again. And it's kind of like the cycle of 80, 20, 80, 20, 80, 20, you know? So, I mean, there are plenty of examples where I've gone to events um, for the story and it's been, eh, eh, it's been fine, you know, like, all right, about what I expected. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I didn't expect anything. Like, oh, okay, not, you know, nothing really there, basically, you know, okay, nothing really there. But then, I mean, there are times, a great example, I haven't shared this actually. Um, <laughs> do it for the story in progress. This is nuts. So uh, after the TEDx, you know, I obviously, um, there are a lot of people that know Dan, um, my friend who passed away. Um, so I shared it, you know, a lot of people really um, enjoyed it, you know, kind of that reflection, understanding, they didn't realize that that was something that I shared with him, you know, so that was kind of a continuation of his legacy. Um, I'd say it was about three or four months later, after the TEDx came out, not after his passing, about three or four months after the TEDx, um, I am driving my grandma back home because my mom had surgery. So I drove my grandma up to, you know, from uh, Newport Beach, which is where I grew up. So Southern California, Northern California, it's a seven hour, you know, drive. Um, after that, uh, my buddy who's in San Francisco, because that's where my grandma lives, um, he hits me up and he's like, hey man, like, are you in town? Like, I, like, you told me you're gonna be in town. Like, are you in town? Like, let's hang out. Are you in town? I'm like, yeah, but I'm tired. Oh, this is perfect. I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm tired. I just drove all day. Like, I'm not feeling it. And he told me, he's like, dude, like you do it for the story. You're going to be here. And like, now that I'm like, so publicly doing it for the story, like I'm accountable to it. So I'm like, all right, fine. Like I'll do it. I'll be there in half an hour or whatever. You know, it's like part of my grandma's car and I went up. And uh, so I get into the city and it was, it was looking like one of those 80% nights where nothing was going to happen. You know? So like, I go to his place, we catch up, have a beer, it's fun. Then we go to like a house party, nothing really happening there. Then a bunch of dudes are like, all right, let's go to the bars. So we like roll out to the bars and we show up to this one and it's like a $20 cover. And we're like, all right, like that bowl, like we're not gonna go in there. So then we turn the corner and then my buddy's like, all right, there's like a decent bar here. Um, we might as well grab a drink. Like we're already downtown, then we'll head back, you know? Like, all right, sure. So we roll up to this bar, um, have another drink, start feeling a little looser, you know, like starting to, starting to have a little more fun. And then, uh, I'm just chatting with my one of my buddies. And then all of a sudden I feel something hit my foot. And I look down and it's a jacket. It's just like this white furry jacket. I'm like, huh? What? Like, and I like kind of pick it up and I look around and it's a crowded bar. Like there's no one there. And I'm looking around like, whose is this? Like I have bonkers. Okay. Like I don't know. But like I said, I was kind of like feeling it. Like I was in this vibe. I was like, all right, like I have nothing else to do. Like I'm gonna make it a point to figure out whose jacket this is and I'm gonna find it. And you know, I'm gonna find them and I'm gonna give it back to them. So then first thing I do is go up front to the bouncer, see if anyone's like looking for a jacket, whatever. And then I start like chatting with them. And then this girl comes up and she like kind of like shoves my shoulder. She's like, hey, you took my jacket. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm sorry. No, like it hit my, it hit my foot. And like, I just, I'm trying to return it to you here. Dude, I look up and this girl went to my high school. <laughs> not only that, not only that, she was Dan's first girlfriend. And I hadn't seen her since the funeral. And she dropped her jacket on my foot in a bar I had no business being in on a night I had no business being out in San Francisco. And it gives me, it gives me chills thinking about it, dude. Cause it's like, like, like that 
that is it. Like that is do it for the story. Like I had no expectation to connect with anyone to have that moment. But then, you know, if you believe in, you know, like spirits, you know, like Dan created that moment for us to like see each other. And like, I just gave her the biggest hug. We both started tearing up and just like, how are you? Like, like, how are you? I hadn't seen her since the funeral. Like, how are you? And like, that's something that you, you can't plan. That's not, that's something that can't happen by design, uh, or at least not by my own design. Right. So it's like, that's, that's one of, I mean, that was probably a year ago. And uh, yeah, that was something that really stood out to me. I was like, uh, wow, like trust it, Brian. And like I said, it was one of those nights where it was, it was the 80% of like, oh, we couldn't get into this bar. This party sucked. You know, I'm tired. I'm not even, you know, in the right, right mood. And then insert miracle, you know, like miracle. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's it, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the stories that definitely stands out. And it's a continuation of do it for the story. You know, like it's the story that keeps on being written. It's, uh, it's special, man. It's really special. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's, I was gonna say a story, but I had a similar experience, not quite that uh, miracle-esque story, but uh, I was at a bar one time with some friends downtown in Binghamton, and, and someone's jacket actually fell on the floor as well there, and I picked it up, and it was a leather jacket, and I was like, this looks pretty cool, and I put it on, and it fit perfectly, and I was like, oh, I should walk around the bar and see whose jacket this is. So I just like met like everyone at the bar and I was like, I was a jacket look. And then finally, like the last person I talked to was actually one of my best friends from school and uh, it was her jacket. <laughs> but I met like so many different people at the bar just because this jacket fell on the floor randomly. So I just yeah. think it, it's wild to think about stuff like that. I don't know if you fully believe in like people being placed in your life at specific times because I feel like everyone you meet is there to kind of teach you something like you're not meeting that person just out of like just on a whim it's just kind of like that person's there for a reason um and I actually read a book the Celestine Prophecy I don't know if you've heard of that but uh they kind of talk about like the energies of the world and stuff like that um and like that same thing like things happen when you're not even expecting them to but they happen kind of for a reason so like, it seems yeah. like <laughs> that was kind of meant to be that you were supposed to see that girl that night, which is just crazy. Yeah. It is. And I mean, that's, I mean, like you, like you're describing, it's like, um, like it, it, like your decision to just kind of be like, oh, let me have a good time with this, you know, that to set that intention, just like opened up a whole new experience of what it would have been. And then it just became way better because you just write, like where it's a mindset, right? Like you're in that mindset and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's incredible how it all comes full circle in, in ways that you can't imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and of course I have less impactful, you know, versions of that, of, you know, just random things like similar to that, where like it's what I share in the TEDx, like I was at a, um, I was at an event with my brother and I had no business being there, but I was like, all right, we're doing it for the story, like screw it. And then I ended up seeing a star from a documentary that I adore, you know, it's like, I never would have met this person if I didn't show up to this random event for this random reason, but here I am. And now I get to geek out, you know? So it's like, it's just it's fun. Like it, it really is fun. It makes life. Uh, yeah. It just, it adds more layers to life and um, yeah, it, it's worth it. And you say your, um, your trip to Columbia is kind of what got you on the path towards starting the podcast. Uh, do you think, say you hadn't gone to Columbia for that trip, do you think somewhere farther down the line, you still would have done something along these lines 
or it's kind of hard to tell, I'm sure. But no, uh, I, I, I would say absolutely not. To be honest, I like I was never a social media guy. I was, you know, I got Facebook my senior year of high school. You know, most people got it, you know, sophomore year. But you know, I mean, I was kind of in high school when it all came out. But like, I was late to the game, basically. Um, you know, and I don't know, like even with podcasting specifically, like when it was first coming out, I was like, all right, dude. So like, you think that what you have to say is so important that you're going to record it. You're going to have people listen to it. And do you think that they're going to love it? Like, who do you think you are to do that? You know, like that was my take on it. So absolutely not. I don't think I would have had a podcast. I don't think I'd be a content creator. I don't think I'd um, be in that space as much. The one caveat is that there's a big emphasis right now on developing a personal brand. So that's like some, that's something that persists despite the different jobs you have, the different relationships you build, you know, the different networks you're in, your personal brand is something that's consistently going to um, be there as a, an asset of yours. So having heard about that, I think I would have done things to build a personal brand. And a lot of that is content. Um, you know, maybe it'd be more like speaking. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what form it would take, but like, I know I would have had an emphasis within personal branding. But now my podcast and my LinkedIn content, my videos and stuff like that, like that has become my personal brand. Um, so it serves a bunch of different functions. But yeah, I like to answer your question. I do not like I do not think I would have had a podcast had I not gone to that specific event in Columbia. No way. So how do you how are you able to manage working? You work full time at is it Recover X? That's what it's called. And then yep. you also do this daily uh, podcast. How do you kind of balance those two things? Yeah. So, I mean, something I really pride myself on and the reason I think the podcast is doing so well is that I can sustain a consistency that other people can't. And that comes back to me being a student athlete, being disciplined, being organized, you know, seeing an objective in front of me, being able to focus to achieve it, meeting deadlines, um, building systems and structure around those deadlines. So I think um, the, the way that I manage it is I've prioritized it. And by prioritizing it, I have scheduled when I'm going to work on each so that I can sustain both to the quality that I want to. It's not rocket science, you know, it's just like there's so many hours in a day, you need to eat this many times, you need to use the bathroom that many times, you need to sleep this many hours. What do you do with the rest of it? You know, like I have found that I enjoy working and making progress, building and creating, you know, like on my free time, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. Like right before I jumped on this, I'm creating a, a program right now. It's a, like, it's called the Greatness Accelerator Program. Create uh, a 90-day goal and create the change that you want to see in the world in 90 days, you know? So I was recording a video and editing that right before I got to this because I was like, okay, man, like, what am I going to do to prepare for this podcast, right? You know, like, like, let me do something for myself. I'm like, oh, I would love to get this done. You know, it's like, that's just like what fuels me. So I think the reason I can balance a full-time job, you know, I mean, I'm working, you know, 40 plus hours a week. And then having the uh, commitments of this podcast, which are, um, so I, I put about two hours every single day into the podcast. Uh, how do I do all of that? It's just because I have systems and priorities already established in advance that I can just literally execute on. It's like, I've created the path. I've created all of the content and the structure that I need. It's just a matter of doing it. So it kind of takes a lot of the decision out of it. And I don't have to reevaluate if I like it because I've already decided that I have. And again, going back to the first part of the conversation, let's say that I stop liking the podcast. Would I then taper? Would I pivot? Would I do something? Like, I, I hope I would, you know, if it's something I don't enjoy. But at the moment, like, I'm enjoying my work at RecoverX. I'm enjoying my work um, for the podcast. And uh, I do what it takes to sustain both of them because that's important to me. Right. 
Yeah, and then, uh, so since you started the daily improvement, what do you feel has been like the best uh, habit that you've picked up in your whole journey to kind of improve yeah. yourself? So no, I'm so glad you asked. Gratitude, like literally everything I do comes back to gratitude. Like, and like to a point where I laugh at myself that I'm like, really? Like, you're gonna be grateful for this or you're going to like see this that way? Like, cause gratitude has completely shifted my perspective and just like anything that happens. And there, there have been kind of a few moments. Um, so one of the groups that I work with that I've become a, kind of a leadership figure uh, within this group, um, it's called Greatness Collective. There's a lot of uh, volunteer opportunities. So I, I've been to Mexico a number of times, but the first time I went to Mexico to build houses for a family that was previously living on dirt, didn't have a roof over their head, didn't have access to clean water, didn't have electricity. You know, I show up in 48 hours, you build a house, there's a roof over their head, we take off. I come back and I was in the border wait line for eight hours, not just driving home. I was in the border wait line for eight hours. And like of any, any normal person, and I was by myself, couldn't pee, couldn't eat, couldn't drink, nothing, couldn't leave my car, couldn't do anything. For eight hours, I just sat there being like, man, how lucky am I that I have a car right now to just drive home to the United States where I have a house over my, you know, like, like it's just, it's totally shifted my perspective. And it's, um, it's something that like, I'm, I'm really identifying with right now because I mean, especially in difficult times as we're going through right now, a lot of people are struggling. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just important to keep that perspective and kind of that, that blessing. And then that's also helped me identify what my, my core purpose is right now. Like I've, through my experience, through my jobs and different ideas I've had, what I've kind of come upon, and this is kind of where the podcast also comes in, I've come upon that my, my ultimate purpose that I'm serving right now is bridging the opportunity gap between people who have a platform to create from and people who didn't have that same opportunity. How do you let them speak both languages to be able to support each other and also to make sure that it's a more even playing field as people are moving forward. And I think gratitude has been a, a pillar to that because it's helped me realize that I've been on the high side of that battle, on the, um, uh, on the privileged side, on the, like I have access to resources, I have all the opportunity in the world. I can you know, call up my parents and like, if I have a problem, then they have a friend that has a solution. You know, like I've benefited from that my whole life. So being grateful in that position has activated me to serve in the other. And that's something that I think is, um, it is it's, yeah, like I said, I identify with it, but it's become a pillar to um, my psyche. And it's definitely um, something that stands out the most in my personal development over the last two years, like hands down. I would say that's, that's definitely one of the best things someone could possibly pick up is gratitude. And that's definitely something I've been working on and definitely still have to work on. Um, Cause there's really no reason not to be grateful for everything you're given. Like, I'm so grateful. I was thinking about it today. I was like, I'm so glad no one in my family is dealing with this illness that's going around. Cause it's just so horrible that so many people are dealing with this, but I have food in my fridge. I'm living in a house with my best friends. Like there's nothing for me not to be grateful for. It could be so much worse. So I feel like I, the world would be way better, honestly, if more people were grateful about every little thing. And that's actually funny you brought it up because that was the uh, the post that I commented on when you stubbed your finger. Um, yep. 
and I posted on that and then you responded. So it's funny that you bring that up. Oh, no way. <laughs> okay. That's super funny that that ended up being it. Yeah. I mean, exactly it. Like I had that reflection. It stood out to you because that's something that you're also valuing right now. And then that was our, um, that was our similarity. And then, you know, we connected and here we are now. And, you know, this is the beginning of the story. It's going to keep on going. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that was a great example of like how I literally like jammed my finger in a drawer. And I was like, man, I'm lucky I have a finger. Like a lot of people don't have fingers. That's when I like realized like, oh, wow, well, you got an issue, man. But at least it's the, it's the right kind of issue. At least I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's a, on the, the opposite form, what's, what's a habit you just can't pick up that you really want to? Is there anything in your life that like you just can't stop eating ice cream or like fast <laughs> food or something like that? Oh, dude, a ton of things. Yeah, a ton <laughs> of things. Uh, I mean, I've experimented a lot with uh, with kind of my wake up times. Like at one point, I was getting up at five thirty every morning, and um, with the time change, I was doing it for a little bit. Now working from home is different, you know. So it's been harder to sustain that. So that's definitely fallen off. Something that's <laughs> funny. Uh, I shared on the podcast a long time ago, probably a year and a half ago, um, about taking cold showers. And then like, I hadn't really gotten in the swing of it yet. And then like the day that I released the episode, I was in a shower and I was about to finish. And I was like, crap, I need to take a cold shower. Like, this is brutal. And I've been doing it ever since. But I, uh, I like, I do like a little baby form of it, you know, like I do five to 10 seconds of like, mostly cold but not like all the way cold you know so it's like enough to say I did um but that's definitely something that I've been disappointed being like oh man like you know have a stronger mindset like you can get through it but it's like but it's so warm and it feels so good you know so, like, so yeah I definitely struggle with that I eat ice cream all the time I don't exercise as much as I'd like to um I get I get cranky when I'm hungry you know like there's all these things that um that I could be better at of course um and you know identifying those and kind of building a system or at least trying to think through how I can improve at that is the only thing you can do. You know, like it doesn't stress me out, you know, like I'm myself, I come from my own experience and I'm happy with who I am and how I am. But, you know, of course there are things that I wish were better. Perfect example. Like I said, you know, being at the airport and talking to people, like being that overly, like I've realized I'm an introvert, right? Like being that overly extroverted person, like that was so far out of my comfort zone. It was too far. And like, I wanted to be that person. And actually, um, and an interview that I had that's coming out. I interviewed Vanessa Van Edwards. She's the author of the book Captivate, which is all about uh, human psychology and kind of, uh, she's a behavioral investigator. So how do people interact with each other? And something we talked about on the podcast was that we have as a society, this idea of what the ideal personality type is. Like this is how we should behave. And anything that we have or display that violates that ideal is something that we're not proud of and that we're trying to actively change. And the reality is, is that we need a diverse amount of skill sets and strengths and interests to be able to accomplish any project or to beat any task. So like having that awareness of, okay, maybe I'm not the most extroverted person, but where does my strength lie and what can I offer this world? You know, instead of trying to change myself, let me lean into um, what, I, <laughs> what I'm good at. And another great example um, who I'd love to have on the podcast, James Clear, his book is uh, Atomic Habits, which is best read I had in 2019. Um, he has this analogy where he's like, all right, you are either a potato or an egg. And, and if you're either a potato or an egg and there's boiling water. So you can't decide whether or not you turn hard or you become soft. You know, that's the properties of a potato or an egg. An egg hard boils, a potato gets soft. 
But what you can do is choose to put yourself in situations where being hard or being soft is better fit, right? So that, that's kind of the, the alternative there is, you know, how can we decide and put ourselves in situations where we're designed for success and optimized for success so that we then enjoy it more and then we're more confident in ourselves because we're enjoying it, you know, so it's a cycle there. Um, but yeah, that's, I forget how I got there. We have to kind of do it in hindsight, see like for the story, how I got there, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's something that I, I thought was really interesting when I learned it. Yeah. So again, it's all just kind of about being self-aware, knowing what you're good at, going full force into what you are good at. And then if you do want to try new things, then like, by all means go for it. And if it doesn't work out, then it's no big deal because you're just figuring totally. yourself out. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's fun. What would you say the, um, the hardest part has been for you growing your self-improvement daily podcast? And like, what are some suggestions you have for people who are starting to build their own personal brand and like build a presence on social media and stuff? Yeah. Um, I think consistently across the board when it comes to growing an audience, the biggest issue people experience is you create something that you want, not what your audience needs. So I'm sure like you can trust your own intuition. Of course, do something that interests you again, like do what interests you, but kind of try and remove yourself from that decision once in a while to be like, okay, how can I serve content that benefits them rather than is in alignment or like exactly what I want to create? Because at the end of the day, your, your audience, your community is everything. And I mean, word of mouth is one of the best tactics you can leverage to get more people in kind of in your ecosystem. Um, and that's kind of what I've recognized with self-improvement daily was like, I trusted my intuition being like, okay, two, you know, two minutes, it's short enough for people to consume personal development. Everyone can relate with it. Let me have a variety of opinions so that, um, that, that at least we're diligent and fair in the education part of it. But then I've always kind of thought of it as a resource for people who are kind of like looking to get an edge. You know, that's what I kind of thought the resources for, like people looking to get an edge. But then as I've done more market research, I've talked to more of my audience members and I'm hearing their stories and their interests. I'm realizing it's like, no, they're not looking to get an edge. These are more people that are looking to get motivated. They know that there's kind of this, this fruit that they're trying to grasp onto, but they don't necessarily have the motivation or the resources to get there. So what I'm doing with a lot of positivity messaging, a lot of motivational messaging, and a lot of just practical advice, I'm helping people see more clearly, oh, that's my path. And it's more taking zero to one than one to 100. I want to design it for one to 100, but people have told me, my audience has told me, that it's more of a zero to one kind of play. So since I've understood that, I've started to lean into it, design content for that purpose, and it started growing quicker, right? So it's like, it, it just, it makes sense, but um, it's self-awareness again, kind of what are you trying to create? What are they, you know, empathy? What are they trying to receive? You know, kind of default to the audience because ultimately it's for them, not for you. Because everyone wants the, uh, everyone wants the end goal but we yep. all want to actually have that, that first step. That's all it takes to get us on the right path towards that end goal. Yep. It's like working out, everyone wants six pack abs, but they don't want to mm -hmm. go through all the work. So you just got to give them that one small thing that they can do every day and then yep. the next step. <laughs> right. And I still get creative. Like I still kind of like nerd out on my own interests. So it's like, all right, so the psychology, that per that's a perfect example. How do I get six pack abs? You know, it's like, what's the psychology there? It's like, okay, so there's a motivational piece. Like, is it good 
to necessarily have that aspiration of a six pack. Like maybe, like maybe is the ultimate goal healthy. So like, let's strip that and be honest with ourselves and figure out what the real motivation is, you know, like, and then if it's six pack is like, okay, do you want to be in a relationship or do you want to feel good? You know, like, what is that too? So like, I try and have a lot of kind of thought provoking content that gets people to think in that space and then come down to the tactics of it too. It's like, okay, so you've decided you want six pack abs. Who, who cares what reason why, but you want to have six pack abs. What are you going to do to get there? So I remind people of the value of consistency and how if you want to, you know, like a perfect example is brushing your teeth. If you want to have good teeth, you don't brush your teeth for, you know, four hours once a week, you brush it every single day because that's what's required. You know, it's the same when it comes to growing anything. It's consistency. I mean, that's like the biggest thing I emphasize, consistency and discipline and consistency. So that's kind of more on the tactical side. And then like understanding your habit formation process. So like, yeah, if you want to be consistent, how do you get yourself to go there? So there's triggers in your environment. There's certain timing that you can rely on. There are certain actions that you can take that are preparation steps that help you get to that ultimate action of working out. You know, James Clear, say um, the guy was talking Atomic Habits, um, when you're trying to instill a habit, he talks about making things easy. So if you want to run a marathon, make your goal to put on your running shoes. Like that's a very easy thing to do. And that's the first step because once you get running shoes on, then you have this, you know, awareness moment of, oh, okay, I've already made it this far. Like might as well run a half a, you know, half a marathon, you know? So it's like, it's, it's just crazy how our brain works that way. And there's an education to it that's required for people to be able to really activate that part of them. And that's what I try and do is I try and take that zero to one, but give them the resources and the psychology uh, that gives them the fuel to actually do it. Awesome. But no, uh, I just have one question, kind of for my own, uh, my own benefit. I wanted to see uh, if you had spoken to Timothy. You wrote a blog about a homeless man you met outside FedEx. And yeah. I was interested to see if you had run into Timothy at all in the past couple of years or if you have any update on him. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so that was back when I was up in Northern California. So I've been, I've been out of like the Sacramento area for two and a half years now or so. But yeah, I saw him uh, a handful of times after that. And he remembered me and I remembered him. Um, and yeah, that just really stood out to me. It was just a like kind of the, the summary of that was I was leaving FedEx and there was this guy that, you know, offered to wash my um, windshield. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, um, I want to support this guy. Like he's coming with good intentions. Like that's something I want to support. You know, there's a large homeless population there. So I, yeah, like I can do it. And I just started chatting with them, you know, treating them like a human. Then I found out kind of his pain points and everything. I was like, all right, like I, I really want to help him out. I want to see what I can do. Um, and then it like it didn't end up coming together how I wanted it to. He was actually more difficult to get a hold of than I expected. You know, big shocker for a homeless person, but he was more difficult to get a hold of. Um, and then I did see him randomly, and it was more kind of like connecting and showing him that like I valued him and that he was a real person, and that's something that he expressed was really important, especially within the homeless population. That you know people step over you like you're not a person, but they're a person too. It's just a matter of circumstance. He told me you know some of the circumstance. I wish there was a more, um, like a better ending to it and that like I got him placed in a home or something like that. Um, I, I, I haven't thought about him in a long time, if I'm being honest, but that was kind of the beginning of maybe my gratitude practice of being like, wow, like that could be me or one day that will be me, you know, like who knows what my life entails um, and how would I appreciate if I was in that circumstance that someone treated me. So that, that kind of comes together in that way. But um, that, that's awesome that you kind of, dove deep in there and found that because that's something that I uh yeah that I, I was really passionate about and it's, it's definitely left an impression on me 
um, for sure. Awesome. So uh, I just wanted to leave on. So if you could just leave one piece of advice for anyone who's listening, what would you want them to take away from this conversation or just like your content in general? Yeah. I mean, I'd say there's no one right way to do it. I think there's, there's a lot of advice out there. There are a lot of suggestions. There are a lot of people that think they know what's best for you. Um, be educated in the way that you different problems and challenges that you experience, but ultimately rely on yourself. Identify what your kind of your cores, your core pillars are. You know what what core values stand for, and uh, just act in a way that with that because whatever comes of that, you know, for the story or otherwise, whatever comes of acting from that space will push, will put you in a position that better serves you for the person you want to become. Awesome. Well, again, I, I greatly appreciate you uh, answering my message on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> of course, man. On for the podcast and taking a little time out of your busy day to uh, speak with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we'll connect in six months or a year or something for the story and you'll see it. It'll happen, man. Absolutely. You'll see it. Yeah, I look forward to it.